This morning's scripture is going to be Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. Not all of us have electronic Bibles, come on. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 10. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to, to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intentions of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mysteries of his will, according to his kind intentions which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the time. That is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens, and things on earth, in him. Amen. Thank you, Joshua. Good to see everybody today. Exciting things going on. Uh, Pictures being taken. I'm excited about tonight. Not just the barbecue, but about uh, just being able to be together with everyone. And uh, I think there's a lot of people coming to that, so that's great. So if you didn't, uh, if you don't look pretty today, you still have next week to get your picture taken. But let me just go ahead and tell you, you look great today. So go ahead and do it today. And uh, that'll make it a lot easier. So we've been talking a lot about different things. We've been talking about redemption and what that really means and how Jesus died on a cross in order to redeem us. And then we talked about forgiveness and how forgiveness is important so that our sins are taken away. But it's not just a one-time thing. That each one of these is a progression that God is trying to use us for and trying to show us something else. So we are forgiven so that we might learn how to forgive others. And so that really seems to be what is happening with this, that we're able to forgive others, that we're able to focus on this forgiveness, not just for us, but also for a lot of other people. And so this passage that has been read to us talks about what is holy. And at least that's what we want to focus on today, because it talks about a whole lot of things. And we'll maybe look at a few of those other things uh, as time goes on. But today, as you look at this and and look at what it's really talking about, this idea of being holy and blameless, it means that we're set apart for a special purpose. And I think that's what he's really trying to describe here, is this idea that we are set apart, that we are holy, that we are blameless. He's given us every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen in him The goal is for us to be holy and blameless in order to bring about our adoption. And so that brings us to being adopted as sons of his. All this happens through his other son, Jesus. And as he's done all these things, it helps us in this relationship that we have with God. And so how does he accomplish all of these things? Well, he accomplishes it through redemption, through his blood, through forgiveness, 
through the riches of grace. This is always amazing. The riches of grace that have been lavished on us. And sometimes the words that he used are just amazing. When's the last time you had anything lavished? I mean, we just, maybe we just don't use the word. When you make your peanut butter sandwich, do you lavish the peanut butter on the sandwich? Uh, he lavished grace upon us. That's just always amazing to me. With wisdom and insight, we are to the praise of his glorious grace. And so all of these things are describing this incredible relationship that we have with God. And as you think about this incredible relationship and about this idea of holy and blameless, I think sometimes we get it a little bit confused. We tend to think of holy and blameless as being perfect, as being where we are the ones who are good and everything else is going right and there are no problems, there are no sins, there is nothing ever wrong because we are holy and blameless before him. So there's no... Nothing that ever goes bad or goes wrong because it's all about us and it's all about this perfect patience that we have. No mistakes, no bad thoughts, no arguments. And it's not our life. And so then we're left with, okay, now what? Well, holy is about forgiveness. But it doesn't mean there's going to be no problems. It doesn't mean there's going to be no mistakes. It does mean sins can be forgiven, not that there are none. And so that's a little bit of a difference in how we look at it. Holy is able to be sinless, but it's not because we never committed any. It's because Jesus is the price that's paid. It's because we are the ones now forgiven. But holy is more than just dealing with sins. Everything that it talks about as being holy is in relation to God. Everything is in relation to God. It means being set apart for a special place, for a special purpose. And holy is about our connection with Him. When you go back and you look for the Word, you go back to the very beginning and you begin to look through Scripture. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and... He created the whole world, including us, everything that's alive, everything that's not alive, everything that spins and exists. And then God rested on the seventh day. And so when you look at the passage in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 3, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Okay, it's the first time it really happens. He made it holy. How do you make it holy? Well, because God is holy. God is this great love. God is this great goodness. And God said, this is a day that I'm going to call holy. Well, it's Sabbath. It's Saturday. We like Saturday, right? Don't have to work on Saturday. That's always a good day. But... It's more than just the fact that we don't have to work. And for the Jews, it became a very special day. Sabbath became one where they didn't work at all. And it went to the extreme. It wasn't for everyone before them. And it comes from this place, though. 
but it's all in relation to God and all in relation to how holy he is. So when that day becomes his day and he says, all right, I'm going to rest on this day, then it becomes a day that is holy for God. It's a day that's dedicated to him. And so that's why it's called holy is because it was a day that was dedicated to him. And so everything that is holy is because of relationship to God. But people stopped treating God as holy. They stopped having respect for him. They stopped in having any kind of honor for him. And so then we find there's issues with lots of other people. In Babel, you see the, the time when they're confused and scattered abroad. The flood was there when they stopped honoring God and they went into more violence than anything else. And the violence on the earth was so severe. And so God chose a flood to be able to wipe them out because they no longer honored themselves they no longer honored God, and there was no holiness anymore. We completely did away with it. And it's really sad to be able to see that happen. But as you look through the Bible, we're just going to take a couple of things today and, and be able to talk about those. In Exodus chapter 3, we find an incident that talks about what it means to be holy. And this is the time when Moses is out tending sheep and he sees this burning bush. And so it describes it this way. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out in the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold, a bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight why the bush is not burned. And the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, and God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not come near. Take off your sandals. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And so there's this bush that is out in the middle of nowhere because that's where he is. And he's taking care of sheep. He uh, sees this bush. It's on fire, but it's not burning up. It's, you know, here's, the, here's exactly what it looked like. Uh, well, maybe somewhat. And, and so he doesn't know what this is about. And as he gets closer to it, he's told, don't come any closer. Okay, I thought you did this to attract me over here so that I would look at it so that we could talk. I know you're too close. Don't get any closer. Why not? Because you're standing on holy ground. Okay, how did the ground get to be holy? Because I'm standing on holy ground. And every place where I stand is holy ground. And you can't afford to get this close to God. It's because God was there. That's what made the ground holy. There was nothing holy about the spot other than the fact that God was there. And God was the one standing there. And so he's warned, don't come too close. Because this is where, in fact, take off your shoes. 
because the place where you're standing is holy ground. Show some reverence, show some respect for the fact that you have come into proximity with God. And that this almighty, holy God is really there. And you need to have some respect and reverence for God. And we see this all the way through as you look at what people did and the way in which they treated God. Is anytime they came in contact with God, they were afraid. Even though God says, don't be afraid. But then he says, don't come any closer. The place where you're standing is holy and Moses can't even lift up his eyes and look at him. It's like, no, I'm too afraid because this is God. I mean, what happens when we stand in the presence of God? And a lot of the things that we read in the Bible are about this respect for God, this awe because God is holy. Everything else is about God too. And it is called holy because it's about God. Sacrifices were considered holy because they're to a holy God. That's why. And that's why they had to be the best. That's why they had to be the first one. And they're offered by priests. And the priests are holy. Why are they holy? Because they're great people? No, as you read through there, they're not all that good. They're not all that better than anybody else. But they were coming into the presence of God. And so if you come into the presence of God, you become this person who is holy because... It's where you are. And the clothes that you put on have to be just in a certain way. Why? Well, because you're in the presence of God. And it is a way of signifying and making it special. And it's not just about the fact that, well, there was something in the garments. It's more about the fact that you're doing this to be in the presence of God. The high priest was more holy than the second priest, right? Well, why was that? Well, it's because he was the one who was actually able to go into the holy of holies, to the most holy place. Well, why is that the most holy place? It's most holy because that's where the Ark of the Covenant is. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubim is the mercy seat of God. And it's the place where God came to actually be among Israel. And so, proximity to God. The closer you get to God and to His holiness, the more it was considered to be holy. And when we see this and, and look at all these things, it's important for us to realize that's what he's really trying to describe here in all these things. It's about this idea of being holy. And so, people from all the ages have treated God as if God is holy because He is. It was important it's also one of the things you could do wrong the most. And Moses seems to encounter a few issues with God. One is when they were bringing water out of a rock, the first time he struck the rock and the water came out and it's fine. And the second time when they needed water, it was... Moses was upset. He's a little bit angry with them. And he says, well, do I have to bring water for you out of this rock? And it's like, what do you mean, do I? You're not bringing any water. You're just standing there in front of it. And he made it like it was him and God. And God's saying, you're not holy. I'm holy. At the end of Moses' life... 
He looks across the land of Canaan. He was not allowed to go in. This is the view from Mount Nebo. In Deuteronomy 32.51, he says, The reason you can't go in, because you did not treat me as holy. That's pretty severe. When did that get onto the list? I mean, Ten Commandments, no other idols, don't kill. Where's don't forget to treat me as holy? I think maybe it's number one. Because God is holy, and when we forget that, when we refuse to treat Him as holy... God holds us guilty for that. Moses had claimed he was the one doing it. He was the one bringing water. He wasn't. There are two priests who had come to offer fire, and the fire was gotten from the wrong place. And so it's that they did not treat God as holy because they said, ah, just whatever fire, it's fine. It doesn't really matter. No, it's... It's all in these details. And so when God talks about us being holy and blameless, He's talking about us in proximity to Him and how close we are to Him and how close we are to this great, awesome, powerful God. And that's what makes all the difference for us. It is all of these things that bring us into this relationship of being able to be holy and blameless. But we need to recognize that. We need to know that. We need to understand that. And I think there's a difference in our comparison, don't you? In places where you grew up. Because some of us grew up in church. I mean, literally in the church. The auditorium was in the basement. We lived upstairs. And so we were in the church. When I mean I grew up in the church, I was in the house, in the building, not in where all the people were, but in that building is where it was. And so other people didn't grow up there at all. They had no relationship with God. They didn't even know anybody that had any relationship with God. And so they were completely removed from any of that. There was nothing around them that was holy. There was a lot of, of other things going on, but it, it wasn't holy whatsoever. And so it might make a difference as to the comparison. What is good? Well, compare to what? What is nice? Compared to who? When you think of a home, what do you think of? Well, how about that one? Is that one okay? Does that look like your house? Some people say yes. Some people go, no, that doesn't look like my house at all. I don't see anything there that looks like my house. Well, how about this one? Does that look like your house? A little more. Neither one of those look like my house. Exactly. So when you say home, what does home mean? Well, does it look like this one or does it look like this one or does it look like something completely different that's nothing like them? See, if we're among killers, nice is if you don't get killed. Right? 
if everyone is bad, the least bad is the good one. Make sense? The one who doesn't beat you as hard is the nice one when everyone is beating you. So it depends on your frame of reference. Is this home? Is this acceptable? Is this holy? Or is this? Which one? I think we all have a different scale. And so for some people, what's nice is the fact that, well, look, we painted it blue. It looks good. Nobody else has blue paint. Look, this is great. And it's a different scale if we don't know God. And so our frame of reference is completely different. Is home safe? Is it a good home? And it's all going to be within your frame of reference as to what that actually is. Things are only holy because of proximity to God. And if that's true, then holiness is gone when we no longer recognize the holiness of God. We no longer have it. It no longer exists in our world. If our world didn't ever contain that, there isn't any. Because we simply cannot conceive of God. And so when it says for us to be holy and blameless, and we're looking at this and going, well, that's about as holy as it gets for me. Okay. But there's so much more. And maybe you don't realize it. Maybe you don't see it because... We don't see God very clearly. And we don't really understand who He is. And we need to respect what's holy and think about and respond to what's holy. And so it's kind of this sliding scale. The top would be holy and blameless and to the praise of His glorious grace. And for some people that means absolutely nothing. I just don't want to get shot and I don't want to get beat up today. And that's the greatest blessing that I'm looking forward to. Well, hopefully your world isn't like that. Hopefully your world is a lot better than that. But I'm just saying, do we really understand what it means for God to be holy then? Or are we the ones falling short when we don't understand it? I'm not sure we understand the creator of the universe who creates all things. And we are holy because of him. We think it's because we're good. Well, okay, we are, but we're only good when we're close to Him, right? And when we're good on our own eyes, then we're Pharisee. But that's why we come today. That's why we worship today, is to be able to be around something that's holy, be around something that's better It's why we take of communion, because it's communion with a holy God. And Jesus has promised He would meet here. And He would be with us as we worship. And we treat God as holy here. And so it's our chance to become holy, to become saints, because it's proximity to Him. It's where He is. And that's what makes all the difference, is we have come to be in the presence of God. And to honor Him. And He is able to do that for us and to make us holy. Do you remember when Jesus cleared the temple? Why did He do that? Why would He do something like that? 
Well, basically because they're cheating everybody else. It's all about the money. It's all about the things that are going on. And they are treating the temple like it's a place to make money. It's a place to rob everybody else. And they're not using the right scales. And they're thinking of money. And they're thinking of profit. And it's unfair. And they're not treating God as holy. And Jesus comes in and says, you are not going to do this in God's house. This is to be a house of prayer. And that's exactly why he clears the temple. You see, so for some, if money sets us apart, then are we holy by money? And sometimes I think people see that more than they see the holiness of God. Because money is what makes us important. Money is what gives us power. Money is what gives us prestige. You can buy anything if you have enough money. And rich becomes most important. But that's really against God. And it's no longer about good. And it's no longer about righteousness. It's only about being rich. Because after all, the best thing and what sets us apart most in this world is to have the most money, possessions, things, power, influence, fame. And if that's all we're looking for, we have completely missed God. We don't even understand what it's about. And we're no longer about being good or being righteous. Because God didn't come to give you money. He didn't come to make you rich. And that isn't going to be the highest thing you get from God. And if that's all you're asking for from God, I feel sorry for you because you've missed the fact that God is holy. And God is the one who's able to give us so many more things than that. What an incredible thing it is to have a God that we worship. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21. As for you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast and not shifting away from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. And so he says, yeah, we were once sinners. We were once far away. We were once completely removed. We had nothing to do with God. We had no holiness about us whatsoever at all. There wasn't even anything good. We were caught in our own sin. And he says, you were alienated from God, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. And there's not much goodness around. And God is able to make you holy, blameless, above reproach because of Jesus and what Jesus has done. And yet... When we say that, how does it happen that we would get to that point and then, okay, we're done? It's over? Okay, I'm holy now. So then what's next? But the passage doesn't sound like that, does it? If indeed you continue in the faith. If there's more to this, you're stable, you're steadfast, you are not shifting away from the hope of the gospel, you are involved, you are doing all these other things, we are continuing in the faith. Sounds like there's a lot of maintenance going on to this. Sounds like there's a lot more to it. 
We're not just reconciled for an instant. We're not just made holy for an instant. But it's part of being reconciled to be like Him. It's not a one-time event. And maybe the best one that illustrates that is what Paul writes. See, how can we ever be holy? Well, but there's Jesus. How can we ever hope to stay holy? By staying close to God. And that's why we're here. It is by staying close to God. It's always being around His people. It's personal. It's who we are. It's our character. And when Paul writes in Ephesians 5 about marriage, he compares it to the relationship of Jesus in the church. And when he makes this comparison, he draws this picture of this wedding and this bride. And brides are always beautiful, right? They're all dressed up. Everybody's got all the great dresses on and the guys clean up. They're not too bad. That's the best you can say about guys. And and you're all there because of this one day. And it's going to be absolutely wonderful. And that's what he says it's like in order to present her holy and blameless. Because she has been cleansed by the washing of water with the word. She has been sanctified. She has been holy. Well, and then next week, you just forget it, right? No. It's because that's an ongoing relationship. And all of that happened, all of that ceremony happened, all of the time where you got dressed up and everybody came and they said vows and made great promises together. It was not just for that one day, it was for a lifetime. Because during that one day, those promises were made and during that one day, everybody looked beautiful. But that said, for the rest of my life until death do us part. And so he was there to protect her and do things that are good for her and give to her and love her. And Jesus presents us to himself like a husband presents a wife in a lifetime of relationship. And we've all seen the other side, haven't we? The times when you've seen those ugly homes, the ugly marriages, the abuse where somebody gets treated like a servant, where they're selfish and where it's all about me. and It's all about making money and having and what I get, what I want and the fights that go on. And you say, this isn't right. It's not supposed to be like this. And it's not. And no wedding day ever looked like that. And what I'm asking you is about your Christianity. The day that you came to Jesus, the day that you were baptized into Him, the day that the washing with water and that the Word made faith in your heart and that you were cleansed from all of your sin and that you were presented to God holy and blameless and above reproach without spot 
or wrinkle or anything like that. Is that still today? Because Jesus is still that kind of husband for His bride. That's the relationship that goes on. God lets you, wants you, draws you to be holy and blameless before Him. And please don't let pride or money or selfishness make you into anything else. If you have that today, let's rejoice in that. If you don't have that today, boy, that's what we want to give you. Not we, but God. He's the one who's able to make you holy and blameless. Let's stand and sing. Come if you want. We will pray with you.